0: hate to start this off but like by moralizing but over the past 24 or maybe 48 hours i've actually learned a a lot of lessons um i've learned i I learned a very important lesson about bullying you know a lot of important bullying facts you know for example did you know that anyone can be a bully and anyone can be bullied i can't so you (laughs) can't
1: No, no, I'm
0: I'm 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 serious today. Like, don't, don't 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 be that way. I I've, you know, I this is both from my own personal experience online and you know, what people have told me online and also from watching a shit ton of lifetime movies. Um, <laughs> So, like for example, I, you know, your boy Chad V, can, could, despite not having a lot of power or money or influence or even a, a nice-sounding voice, am capable of bullying. You know, i bu- I can bully billionaires. Um, I can bully sitting senators. I can bully, um, you know, mainstream pundits with a hundred thousand plus followers. Basically, you know. Uh, it's, it's almost as though bullying is a meaningless fucking term. Like, it's, it's almost as though bullying, like, as a, a category of thing, is, like, the apotheosis of fucking oppression as individuals acting mean towards one another. Like, it used to be like, hey, you know, racism is just sick calling someone the N-word or, you know, homophobia is just calling someone, you know, the, you know a queer mo or whatever, But now it's just like bullying is anything, you know, bullying could just be like, hey, you know what? I think that uh, Kamala Harris is a cop and that her truancy record is fucking terrible. That's bullying. It's like that's fucking bullying, right? You know? Yeah.
2: Hmm. (laughs) Go ahead. Is it?
0: According according to the internet, it's bullying. Um, And and frankly, I've seen a lot. Yeah. I guess I watch a lot of Lifetime movies, a lot of Lifetime thrillers. Like I would say, that's my Lifetime thrillers are my third favorite genre of movie. Uh, behind horror movies and Bollywood romantic comedies, like lifetime <laughs> thrillers, these are all facts. Check the timeline if you don't believe them. These are all these, these are all facts. These are all all real
2: facts. These are so, 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 very real facts.
0: So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna definitely get into the Kamala Harris conversation again in a second. I will just say uh, lifetime thrillers are the best type of movie because, like, they're basically like horror movies like but like it's almost like watching a horror movie from a different country because you like a different country that you can kind of recognize like you know it, it has some sort of cultural parallels to yours but the anxieties are just slightly off it's like you know how you like when you watch like the ring and like everything like all the japanese symbolism like you know the uh what, what they call like the uh, the ure's and the onryo's with like the long dark hair and all this shit like it's all japanese uh you know manifestations of japanese like burial rituals and shit it's like lifetime movies are like horror movies aimed at like suburban wine moms and like if you watch enough of them <laughs> if you watch enough of them you really get a sense of like what their anxieties are uh you know all of them are afraid that they're like their perfect little like pig-faced children are going to be fucking like seduced by the internet like the internet's evil um like this like this hussy at school is gonna take away my little boy you know my daughter's gonna get pregnant uh she's gonna get hiv or something like that's that's every lifetime movie except for of course the choking game which is um more about like kids choking themselves to get high
2: what we do behind closed doors chad that's for us that's not for the podcast that's for us jesus is nothing sacred I highly recommend. No, I
0: highly fucking recommend the Choking Game. Like the Choking Game is probably like, the best. No lie, the Choking Game is the Choking Game is the best movie. No, I don't recommend playing the Choking
1: Game. Oh, okay. I, wasn't, I wasn't clear whether we were talking about the movie or the game. I
3: recommend.
0: There is there is no Choking Game. Like no one plays the Choking Game. That's not a real thing that happens. Like that's not the moral panic aimed at like suburban wine moms. But the movie The Choking Game is like uh is a dramatization of that moral panic but it's fucking hell it's, like, i would say it's the best movie of 2018 um i don't remember what i was out about 2018 but like choking him is blows everything out the water because there's this one scene where a new girl at school is like, convincing like the, the innocent high school girl to start choking herself because like she's like it's a it's a, a better essentially her argument is that choking yourself gives you more control over your high than drinking but like her but like so she but she says like oh you know have you ever been to a party and like the girls are getting drunk and they're acting all sloppy and shit and it's just like they 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 think they're so cool but they're just being sloppy and drunk and i'm like oh yeah of course of course nancy like it's so much you know more classy to, to choke yourself out in a fucking public bathroom like yeah,
2: no, you know, as like, long that as you're wearing a Batman costume, you have to wear the Batman costume where it just doesn't work.
0: No, I mean of course everyone knows how fucking like crass it is to drink like a bottle, <laughs> a, a, a forty ounce and just have a good time. It's, it's much, it's much more, it's much more elegant to like search, like, search around someone's home for a nice fucking um, doorknob to loop your belt around just to get you know, that's a much much classier thing.
1: You want to go with a solid frame, you know, not those flimsy, you know, doors without anything inside of them. You don't want go to, ahead. you don't want
0: to crack the frame. You're right. You don't, you don't Crack the frame, that's, that's that's not how this goes, anyway. No, no, no. Uh, so yes, no, like, no, no. This, so I want to say, just despite all that, this episode of the discourse is going to be bullying free. Um, so that means that no one is allowed to call, um, Kamala Harris, "Kamala Harris. Um, Jesus. that was bad. No one is allowed to, uh, call Howard Schultz, the, the, the billionaire guy, a flaming dumbass. Um, and I wanna oh, and also just like to to offer uh, addendum. Someone asked if the reason why I'm This episode is bullying free is because Sean King's lawyers got in touch. It's like, <laughs> no. Uh, Sean King's lawyers did not get in touch after I said that he had the skin tone of uh, Ovaltine before you add milk to it uh, this is, this, is this, ep- this anti-bullying stance is entirely motivated by an internal shift and not any sort of uh, external legal pressures
2: Sounds In other words, right. you know send money to the GoFundMe we're about to set up because we're getting sued
1: we getting sued. We're getting sued. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I haven't seen Sean King and Lauren Steiner at the same place at the same time. I'm not saying that they're the same person. I'm just saying I haven't seen them at the same place at the same time. God, go I can't ahead. believe go she ahead. ever came on
2: our show. Fucking hate that woman. <laughs> Fucking hate that woman. Well, you know what? Frankly, this episode, uh,
0: you know, this episode is a long time coming. And I just want to say this is one of the only times I've been... And well, not, not, I was going to lie. But this is one of the only times I've been glad that I'm black. But no, I'm, I'm incredibly glad that I'm black. But this is... (laughs) this is one of those times like this episode is one of those times where i'm especially glad that i'm black because a lot of people you know a lot of white people are going to fucking be canceled in 2019 to 20 for talking shit about kamala harris and luckily we won't be one of them or three of them rather so i'm, I'm just gonna pour i'm just gonna pour mm-hmm. one out for all of my my white comrades who are gonna get fucking canceled you know
2: we're already we, canceled <laughs> don't you like don't you hate us <laughs> we're already canceled we're ne- we've when's the last time any of us was invited to brunch that's all i want to know because i haven't gotten my invitation in the mail yet and i was promised one a couple weeks ago
1: Yeah, it's been a minute since I've had a mimosa.
0: (laughs) Fair point. Fair point's all around. So, you know, I I just want to say something to start off with. I'm not picking on Kamala Harris personally. I am. uh,
2: I am. There is. I am 100%. My,
0: My biggest issue with her is this. I feel like she's trying to fucking gaslight me because every time i see one of her tweets pop up in my fucking timeline it's just like brown and black people are the biggest victims of mass incarceration and you know bail is a huge like cash bail is a huge issue in america and like all of these issues about the prison industrial complex and its sort of effect on brown and black communities and marginalized communities and i'm just like who the fuck is this I'm I'm Mm i'm like who is this and Oh, I guess the biggest problem is she refuses to ever take like 15 seconds or like two or three tweets to kind of map out her evolution from fucking like 2010, laughing at the people, laughing at the idea of, you know, build more schools, schools, not more jails to 2019. Now she's talking about how the prison industrial complex puts undue, undue pressure on brown and black communities. And she's really had infinite number of opportunities to do that right she's had infinite opportunities to go okay here's where i was nine ten years ago and here's where i am now and here's how i got from point a to point b or point c rather and here's where point b is instead where you know what we're being treated to is like a retconning it's like she's retconning her entire past and almost i I say you know it's it's gas use the word gaslighting even though i don't kind of I kind of don't like it You know, I think it's overused, but like it feels like the laziest type of gaslighting possible because in order for me to be exposed to like the gaslighting that she's trying to do, I have to like use a device that would theoretically allow me to fact check her in real time. So it's just like, you know what? Turns out like that brown and black people are incarcerated at a higher race than white people who to thunk it, you know, and I'm just like by you. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 like by you though right it's just like, like, like you're the one who's doing that and she's like no it's the system and i'm like y- yeah but you
1: though right you you literally defended the system when it was shown to even be corrupt so it's not even that you're well you know i only defend the system in paces where it's correct it's, no no there, there was the the investigation into the the lab technician that you helped try to defend and it's like that's that is you're covering up for a corrupt system. So it's not even that oh you know the system is too powerful and I just have to you know it's no. It's, you you defended the system. <laughs> like it, and you are the system. You you you're the top cop. It it's it's absolutely ridiculous. But one of the ways that they're able to like that that's able to happen is you know I was just looking around just cuz I was curious and so like I look at my Twitter feed, I go search Kamala Harris and you know check what the top news is. And up there it has the Kamala Harris laughed about jailing parents over truancy. And oh, I feel <laughs> I feel like this shouldn't be <laughs> this shouldn't be necessary, but it's not funny. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like you know, it's like it's, it's like obviously her laughing about it isn't what like what? And then I looked on a different, I go to the Twitter and I just don't sign into any account and I just use, uh, you know, use the URL in order to do a search and, what pops up under top news, Harris zooms to the front of Dems digital pack and a bunch of positive comments. And obviously my feed is full of, you know, Kamala's a cop and that kind of stuff. And so like people are getting two different realities. This one, one has Tom Watson and a couple random like magas and green party people saying mean or terrible things about her. And then another one has, or then like, if depending on who you follow, it has whatever aligns with what you already believe. So you're experiencing two different realities simultaneously, even though you're, using the same fact-checkable device or the same device that gives you the capability of both fact-checking or, I don't know, clicking on shit and seeing what it says after you click on it. Like I had some trolls cl- uh, liking and retweeting some shit I said about the U S in- involvement in, uh, 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 Nicaragua and like other coups, and they were liking and retweeting it because they just saw horrible things on it about like people being tortured and didn't bother to read what it actually said or who was responsible that the U.S. was responsible. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, sorry.
2: Very well, good. It just ends up being, uh, um, and, and it's not two different rounds. Hold on one second. I'm actually going to blow my nose. It ends up not being necessarily two different realities, right? So much as it ends up being that people, people like people see what they want to believe, especially in politics. So when you have a person like Kamala Harris who can come up and who can index being black, being mixed. Being a woman and being raised by a single parent, right, like she fits this like this very, very, very narrow uh, identity, which with that, they that they want to promote the things that they want to believe, because she is she's you know, she's she's the hired black friend. She's telling them that the system works, that the system is great, which is why she was laughing right about her about locking up uh, kids parents. It's why she was boasting
1: about it. If you just watch that video, for those who haven't seen it, if you watch the video, it's, if, and you pay attention, it's something that Trump could say. I mean, if he was able to speak that well, but like, it's something that could be Trump's policy, just, but because they put it out, it's coming out of Kamala Harris's mouth, they're able to pass it off as Democratic and get it away, get away with it in California and then put her at the front of the pack, continue right there.
2: Right. But like, so she's, she goes out of her way, right, to do these kinds of things, and it's it's it it's she. I'm trying to think of how to how to phrase it. So what she is doing, right, is she plays to the system. She plays exactly to it because in her mind, that's how you get ahead. And one of the things that you know we hadn't talked about early, but I think is important to to point out. Is that when non-white, so when people that aren't white men get into positions like this, being, you know, uh, the district attorney of whatever, of like whatever county or whatever high high power position they get into, they overperform two things. They overperform their idea of whiteness and their idea of maleness. They do their best to be the to be the best possible version of, of a white man, which is the most damaging person to the communities that they are supposed to be representing, to the identities that they are actively trying to index in an attempt to continue on and further their careers. The problem that, you know, I really run into is not the is is not the actual critiques of uh, Kamala Harris, which of which there are many. Like, let's be real. I think, and she was mentioned at the early, at the top of the show. It's when we have people that call that call themselves Democrats that really are just about white supremacy. That's gender inclusive, and that's folks like Lauren Steiner, who actively and openly say a fuck ton of ab- incredibly racist things. Who then call themselves Democrats. So it's and then, and not only do they call themselves Democrats, they say, well, I'm I'm progressive. I voted for Bernie Sanders, like like, th- like, these kinds of things are things that we really have to contend with. So it becomes very difficult to have somebody like Kamala Harris in this race, both whom you both have to critique and say, no, you are not, a, you are not a valid candidate here. You are the, pers- the kind of person we need to be getting rid of on the one hand, while on the other hand, having to defend her from un- just from baseless sexist and racist attacks coming from people that identify as democrats as and you know as well as people that are just traditionally racist you know the the the, the stereotypical racist i i should say like republicans and folks like that i
1: just i just quickly want to touch on uh, something Adair mentioned, which, uh, as he described, you know, the uh, impersonating the white male, and uh, uh, and I've come to understand it through uh, theory as essentially the oppressor oppressed dynamic. And so long as we're trapped within that dynamic, there's this perception that uh, liberation is becoming the oppressor rather than liber- like true liberation. And so that uh, yeah, there's lots of theory on that, but that's how I interpret it. Go ahead. Well, yeah,
0: I mean, I think Adair made a lot of good points, right? And the first one is that like he's right. So I think a lot of people who are defending Kamala Harris's, uh I would say frankly, you know, she talks about some of the good things that she did as AG, essentially – well, some of them, but really only what I've really heard is like her re-entry program. So, you know, reintegrating people who have served time, uh, you know, formally incarcerated people into the workforce, which is great. Right. You know, assuming that that's real, I, I haven't done too much of the research on that, you know, so forgive me Like that's that, that's great if that's what she actually did. But Adair is correct. Right. So like the argument a lot of people who have made, you know, especially people of color women about Kamala Harris and her in order to excuse or hand wave her not so stellar record which i think is interesting right so people recognize that her her record is not stellar on the truancy thing it's not stellar on not prosecuting people like steve mnuchin uh who's now in the trump camp cabinet about you know during the the in the aftermath of the 2008 housing crisis and all of the bad act and all of the other bad actors in that particular who contributed to that crisis the argument is that you know it, as a person of color, as a woman in a position that is usually male and white dominated, in order to prove that she was serious, she had to, as a dare, you know, as a dare phrase it, overperform maleness, overperform whiteness. And, you know, and usually when people do that who are not male and white, and sometimes when they are male and white, what it comes down to is overperforming, you know, white supremacy and overperforming fucking misogyny, right? It's going after women harder, going after people of color harder, doing everything that you can, you know, you can do to simulate what people. People who would normally occupy that role, you know, i.e. white males would do that to me, though, is always a fucking stupid argument. Right. So frankly, it's a stupid argument for two reasons. The first is like, OK, well, if that's what she would do as the AG, why would that not also be what she would do as the president? Right, it's like if they like, if like, if you're the, the you know the uh, attorney general and you're going after essentially you know when you make an anti-truancy law, right that 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 targets the parents of truant children for fines for you know for uh jail time you know basically in order to get, you know I think I've heard the argument too that was or in order just to get them into the system you know you can get them into the system so you could they can have they can get like so social services but of course you know you can get people social services you can get people into the system with Out threatening them with jail time, you're you're essentially targeting single black and brown mothers because that's like that's that's who the that's who is gonna are gonna bear the brunt of those kinds of laws, right? Because we know that laws like that are. Unfairly, you know, are both unfairly enforced, right? So, like, you know, you're you're gonna find yourself being targeting poor mothers, you know, poor single mothers, poor single parents, poor single, uh, you know, families of color for a variety of reasons because a lot of those schools that people of color go to, uh, people who you know, especially poor people of color go to, are you know, more or less school of prison pipelines, right? You know, like they, they they don't have, they're not safe environments. The schools themselves are not safe environments and essentially the communities that they come from, this is not to say that, you know, they're bad communities, but the communities that they they come from, or rather the, uh, our society lacks the sort of structural, uh, foundations to, for people to, to, for people who come from those communities to learn effectively. And so that leads to disassociation from school, it leads to problems at school, it leads to a lot of things. And so essentially punishment in order to get people to go to school is not the correct solution to that problem the correct solution is like a bucket of structural changes you know both you know both specifically targeted at school reform but also just you know expanded social programs expanded you know wicked expanded uh welfare expanded etc you know jobs programs for parents and so i mean the, the second part of that is that okay well the argument that if you elect a person of color or woman to a position of power that they have to be harder on black people or they have to be harder on modern people like, it's actually a very good argument for why you should never do that it's like okay if that's the case, then we should only vote for white people because at least then they, like, they they i guess they're allowed to be better to black people they might not be but like at least that's not like it's not a, a given that they have to be bad to us it's just sort of a toss-up right and that kind of that's a little bit fucked up
1: well, I mean, isn't that I mean, that's basically the argument to vote for Hillary Clinton instead of Kamala Harris, because in like with immigration, it's like whatever Hillary Clinton was on immigration, supporting a barrier and more funding and all that stuff. We can expect Kamala Harris to have to be even even more to the right wing of that, it, 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 like or pick issues where where it works, even though she's from in like because she's from California and the the Democratic Party functions like this, there'll be an expectation that the minorities, uh, you know, be they, uh, you know, Latinx or uh, you know, black people uh, in the South or in California as well are just supposed to vote for her because she's going to be the least bad option because she is she shares an identity or she shares a struggle in some capacity is, is supposed to be the argument. And, it, it, and I don't how can, I don't know how I don't know how people can believe that, although I also can understand how they believe it. Go ahead, I mean,
2: that's that's kind of the thing, though. Right. And Brandon, you made a good point. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's. I think. I think. You know. One of the things that we have to address too is the reasons why, right? Uh, people of color and uh, and women of you know women and women of color in particular are. There's this idea that they have to act like that when we look at politics, right? Like. It's the Obama syndrome, right? Like Obama was was Obama was able to mask the kind of shitty policies that he actually held behind this really charismatic face. But the reality of the situation is Obama. A lot of his policies were terrible for people of color, and it actively hurt us. But in order to attract white voters, in order to attract. Uh, in order to attract the kind of people that are going to get you elected as president, you have to overperform these things. And that's why we see Kamala Harris doing the things that she did. That's why tough on crime resonated in particular really well in the 90s. And that's why we saw Bill Clinton getting arrested. Democrats want to seem. Like they're this middle of the road choice, but the reality is they're pushing further and further to the right. And you're right, Brendan, Absolutely. With Kamala Harris is actually interested in helping students of color that were at risk of truancy and that were at risk of not doing and underperforming in school. The things that you want to do, it's things like rent control. It's things like it's, it's so it's expanded social services. It's, you know, instead of sending a cop over, send a social worker and say, hey, what are you what, what what are you struggling with? How can we help you? How can we start, you know, start to fill some of the gaps that are being experienced by these kids instead of just locking up their parents and making it worse?
0: Well, I mean exactly it's affordable it's affordable public housing right it's better integrated schools it's actually you know using whatever power you have let's say SDAG to go after just the you know the, to advocate or even lobby or even call in favors do whatever it takes to sort of correct the inequality of school funding right that might,
3: that might Quick,
1: be sorry. quickly I just want to add in the like Adair said something it's like filling the gaps uh, that the community either is unable to you know because they're working all day or they're doing it's like people don't realize how much uh, how much value is added or like to a child's life by all the people that are available in a more affluent area where they have leisure time, they can volunteers at the schools, they can be engaged in the PTA, they can do all those types of things. So you need to have uh, your, you, where you, where you can't provide with, you know, affordable housing and all those things. You need to also have uh, programs able to fill in those gaps for the community, you know, community centers with role models and uh, leaders and people that they can emulate uh, and stuff like that. Go ahead.
0: And the argument is of course that, well, she was the A.G she wasn't i don't know the you know the head of the doe department of education she wasn't the president of the school board so she used what power she had to you know essentially try to correct these injustices but i don't i don't necessarily believe that right mm-hmm. you know i don't believe that and the reason i don't believe that is because the glee at which she expressed regarding her program seemed to at least betray uh, a fundamental sort of i would say um a fundamental viewpoint about like the poor, right. And the marginalized, right. It wasn't like, okay, here's the, like, here, here is the power that I had. And here's how I exercised it in the best way possible to encourage people to go to school. Right. What it was, was, you know, as she expressed it, she's like, I had a big stick and I was a, and I was going to use it to, you know, I had a big stick and I had some, you know, essentially uh, some capital, you know, some political capital saved up. And I was going to use that big stick in that political capital to beat poor people into submission, to beat them into doing what I felt would be best for society. And the ideology that, that that betrays is one that really kind of, you know, you say this policy could have been something that Trump or Republicans came up with. Of course it could have been. Of course it could have been. But honestly, as Adair mentioned too, the tough on crime thing is a bipartisan, is a mm-hmm. bipartisan idea. And it doesn't mean tough on all forms of crime, because as we know, Kamala Harris let a lot of banks go, didn't prosecute, didn't do, didn't do any of that stuff. It's a, it's a tough on, it's a tough on poor people. You know, the war on poverty is really the war on the poor. And the war on drugs is really the war on brown people. So, you know, unfortunately, which, you know, what tough on crime means, it means I'm going to be tough on poor people I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna be tough on brown people and the reason why is because this, this internalized view view that like the only thing that motivates poor people you know because they're inher- inherently deviant the only thing that motivates brown people because they're inherently deviant and all of the intersections they're in you know is punishment You know, it's a very punitive notion of like how to – it's a very selectively punitive notion about how society works and how brown people and how poor people need to be engaged with, right? It's like, okay, well, yeah, you know what? They don't – you know, poor people don't respond to this sort of touchy-feely structural solutions. All they're going to respond to is the big stick. Alternatively, rich people, bankers, people in positions of power, people with you know with actual capital, they uh, they only respond to incentives, you know, positive incentives. They only re- respond to cash. You know, like job yeah. creators have to be given, you know, job creators, quote unquote, have to be given uh, infinite. Uh, Largess to do whatever they need to do in order to you know save their money, do all this shit, uh, because otherwise they won't do their best. But poor people know they they get the stick, you know, mm-hmm. right? Like, and like, and that and that, and that is the underlying ideology of our policymakers, right? That poor people need to be punished and rich people need to be rewarded. All it really is, and I uh, and this goes back to I would say like you know Max Weber and his theories about what started capitalism. It's like, it's a secularized version of fucking. Christianity, right? Uh, more or less, it's like, it's a very secularized, secularized notion about what the rich and the poor deserve, right? Because the rich are inherently morally and intellectually better, and the poor are inherently deviant. And so our society should be punitive in a way that reflects that, right? They should, like, the rich should be rewarded for being rich inherently, and they should be ascribed special social and moral status, and the poor should be punished for being poor. Because that's all they'll understand. Because poverty itself is a, you know, poverty is both a punishment, you know, et cetera. You know, poverty and maldistribution of resources is not only both a punishment for like, you know, for making the wrong choices within our sort of limited neoliberal society, but it's also a sign of inherent deviancy. Because if you weren't, you know, if you weren't, uh, if you weren't inherently deviant, you wouldn't be poor. And if you weren't poor, you wouldn't be deviant. I mean, very cyclical thinking the, the, the,
1: right. but it, that distills for me just quickly into kind of how cocaine is treated, like just in almost every facet, you know, like when cocaine celebrated by the rich and the wealthy, it, it's seen as a moral failing when it's poor people uh, using and all those types of things go ahead of there. So
2: I just want to I want to bring it back just a little bit to when <clears throat> excuse me when Chad rather than keep you calling you by your government name
3: <laughs> uh, when, when Chad brought up the
2: uh, when Chad brought up the point about the argument being well she was she was the AG she wasn't you know the head of the education department but here's the thing is. She, as AG, had, prosecu- had had prosecutorial discretion. She could have chosen not to prosecute some of these cases. She could have referred these folks as opposed in, as opposed to the criminal justice system. She could have referred them to something. Uh, she could have referred them to social services. She could have used her position to advocate for these folks. She could have used her position as AG to try to get measures on the ballot that would have actually solved the issues that we were seeing. And so, because she didn't. Because in that moment when she had that much power and that much influence in the state of California – I don't I don't see how she could be a viable candidate for president moving forward. We've seen her stance on poverty, we've seen her stance on education, and that's not the kind of model that I want to see brought to the rest of the United States. It's she her her model of education is predatory and punitive. Instead of locking up single parents who are already coming to households where they don't have as much money, where they're oftentimes working long hours for trash pay, and then removing the only source of income, shoving kids into the hellhole that is foster care, and pushing them further and further into the only places that are left in order to make up some, to kind of this stopgap. People have to have money to survive. This is why gang culture is so prevalent. A lot of us that did gang bang, we didn't gang bang because we wanted to. We didn't join gangs because that was fun or it was cool or it was hip, but you did it as a means to survive because you had no other options for fulfilling your material needs as a person. So while you're going around and you're screaming at Trump for breaking up families, and rightfully so, you can't, you can't do that and in good faith endorse Kamala Harris who locked up parents and, and relegated kids to a, a horrible life that is the foster care system. Why in the hell would she make a good president? Her policies are trash and her she's just overall is no good. And it really just frustrates me that we have to have these conversations. And not only do we have to have these conversations, where we really tear into her that we have to defend her again from racist folks both on the quote-unquote, on the American left. I wouldn't even say quote-unquote at this point. At The American left and the American right. And it's absolutely ridiculous. And frankly, I'm getting tired of having to do these kinds of things. And we see it happen every four years.
1: That was all really good from it, Adair. I just quickly wanted to add that prosecu- uh, you mentioned prosecutorial discretion is, is really important in the power that she had to influence how all that was handled. And if people aren't familiar with that, I'm not a big fan of Samantha B or anything, but she did a little thing about it you probably Google and find and it, it explains it in a way that probably won't bore you for 15 minutes. Go ahead.
0: Well, no, exactly. Right. And I think what, what really sort of sinks her ship, but I guess also kind of, you know, goes back to the conversation about like how people of color and marginalized people have to like, be essentially harder on crime uh, to prove that, that that they deserve to be in these spaces uh, is that, you know, we have now you know, we have examples of, quote unquote, progressive AGs, you know, attorney generals. You know, Larry Krasner, right? like, like we've seen what, you know, what an actual progressive AG looks like. We've seen what that looks like. and it, And it's like night and day. You know, it's going after opioid companies, you know, for for flooding the sorry, it's going after big Pharma for flooding the streets with opioid and contributing to you know, contributing to uh the opioid epidemic. It's you know, it's not prosecuting people for, you know, personal use of marijuana, right? You know, which again keeps families together, right? You know, like it's like it's not, you know, it's not prosecuting a sex workers for, you know, for for basically doing sex work, right? Which again keeps families together, right? Which are which are all things that you know maybe not directly, but indirectly contribute to you know truancy, right? And so what's really derailing her argument about like well, she had to do these things that we know that we know that she didn't, right? We simply know that like he like here's what it looks like when you have a progressive prosecutor, or rather a progressive attorney general, and here's what it looks like when you have you know someone who's trying to basically reinvent them themselves right before an election. And I guess for the, I don't really oh- but I guess, you know, if I even say this, I'll go with what they was saying. It's like, it is frustrating, right? Because we know that right now people are already trying to engage in, uh, and engage in like sort of a new version of birtherism with fucking um, Kamala Harris. And they're like, oh, but she was actually, you know, she was actually born in Jamaica. You know, she was actually born in India. Like I, I knew like the right was going to do racist attacks against Kamala Harris, but I kind of expected them to like invent a new one. And it's not like, but they're just going for classics now. of The old Obama classic of, you know, like she's not born in America because she's black. Which I mean brings up a really interesting conversation about the idea how you know how intrinsically tied Americanness is to be to whiteness, right? Like where if you have a black president, someone who's black running for president, the first thing people think of is like, oh, well this person can't actually be American, right? Which again you know, derails the idea which has been being floating around of this idea of like a multinational or rather multiracial or multi ethnic nationalism. Right? Because nationalism or rather at least Americanness is so deeply tied to whiteness that the moment like that, like any time a black person is running for president, they go, Oh, well, this person can't really be American, right? At the same time though, I don't really want to have the con. Conver- I think the the conversation about like the difference between um, you know, black Americans versus black immigrants and the way they view each other like that sort of internal like plurality of black people it's a little too cute and it doesn't really I I don't think that's a productive conversation to have about Kamala Harris
1: Yeah, not not with her being the uh, entry into it, definitely.
0: I think Kamala Harris is a poor vehicle for that conversation. I think it's an interesting conversation. I think it's an important one, considering how oftentimes like people of color are, you know, treated as though they're monoliths just by their you know color, as opposed to, like their ethnic background or geographic origin. But Kamala Harris is like that's not really important. Uh, you know, frankly, though what what strikes me about this, and I I want to say this is because Adair made the point earlier, is that like you don't understand why she like why she how people could think she's Democratic nominee. I, I think it's multifaceted, right? The first part of it is definitely the fact that like some people are still beholden to the idea that misrepresentational oppression is the like the most important form of oppression to fight, where simply having Kamala Harris be the attorney general, simply having her be in those, like those spaces or occupying those seats that would be normally occupied by white male, irrespective of what she did there is like the highest form of social justice. And those people tend to believe that because like their experience with social injustice or rather like sort of racial injustice or oppression is entirely misrepresentational. It's like, they usually have enough money or wealth either in t- throughout their life or currently to insulate them from the Actual material issues associated with in, with uh, racial inequality, and so like for them, no misrepresentational oppression, you know, versus the other form, which is maldistributional oppression, is like the biggest thing. And so they will make excuses for anyone who is in the high enough place and a person of color, and you know, and correcting it, no matter what they do, because it's 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 seen as a, a victory for them. Second, I mean, I would just, I would, I mean, second, I would also just go back to the idea that, hey, you know what? A lot of people think that poor people really do deserve to be punished in the way that Kamala Harris did, right? Even though I would argue that, like, there is no correlation, definitely, there's very little correlation and no causation that I know between, like, I don't know, parental, I guess you should call it, like, parental rather you can't punish your way to like it's never proven that you could, like, that punishing the parents of truant children actually works right it's like that is just a like, that's not a, a viable strategy for correcting truancy right you know you can say that it, it's it's a viable strategy for punishing and like keep, can, keeping communities of color down but it's not actually a viable you know strategy for like correcting the truancy of the youth
2: well, of course not. And it, excuse me, it never was meant to be, right? Because like we said, what it does is it destabilizes usually the one constant in that kid's life. Kids are truant for a lot of reasons, right? Kids are truant because they're hungry. Kids are truant because there might be abuse at home or bullying at school or an infinite number of things. But it tends to be like locking up the only person that is, especially if they're trying, right? If it's an abusive parent, absolutely lock them up. And let's be clear about that. But a lot of times, these are just parents that have to work two or three jobs. They just don't have the time to be there and watch their kids every move. And so – Again, like it's it's where she's where she was coming from with this idea was she was trying to appeal not to the people not to the actual demographics that matter not to the demographics that she's claiming she wants to help save but the to the donor class demographics because there's this idea among rich people well that if you just threaten somebody enough they'll fall in line and that everything that a child does is inherently a moral failing on the parent and therefore the parent needs to be punished unless of course right it happens to their unless it's one of their own kids and we see this as you know with that racist incident. That happened a couple weekends ago with all those white kids yelling at the native man. Like we see that when it's their kids that enact the moral failing, it's society's problem. But when it's, you know, when it's poor kids, when it's kids of color, then it becomes an inherent failing because of race, because of class, because of things like that. And those people need to be punished out. And they claim to be doing it for the kids. But really all it does is it adds, like it perpetuates the system, it perpetuates the cycle and it dooms kids to a life of of hardship, like it's really hard to recover, especially if you're a kid in your high school years, you're trying to go to college, you're trying to get these things together. And suddenly the constant in your life is uprooted and now you're thrown into foster care, which is a horrible, horrible system. Like it's just, it's tragic. And I don't know how anybody could defend somebody that felt this was the way to approach truancy of all the fucking truancy again prosecutor prosecutorial discretion was important she chose not to do it and seeing how she led in california with the amount of power that she did gives me absolutely no hope for her as the president of the united states
0: well i mean i'll I'll just say this like you know i think that as people of color and like normal people most of us who do drugs like the like we don't like the police on this
2: podcast we do a lot of fucking drugs
0: and so like our relationship with the law, right, is not a great one. Uh, it's like it's not one that engenders a lot of belief in the system. But, you know, ultimately speaking, I, I want to acknowledge that, like, the people who are supporting her, right, the people who work at CNN, the people who, are, who write, like, positive op eds about her, they're not like us their um relationship with like the law and law use and morality so like all three of those things are different right so you have like the law as in the law as it was written you have law use as in like the law as it is enforced by people like kamala harris right then you have like morality which is like your own personal view of what's good and what's bad right you know and like and how punishment should be doled out and how reward should be doled out like who does who's deserving of redemption all other shit right and like in those I think they're all kind of you know, influenced by culture and how you're raised and all that fuzzy, fuzzy, wuzzy shit. And so, like, for most, I would say for most people on the left, right, especially people of color on the left, it's like, like, their personal morality and the way the law is enforced, there's a fucking huge schism between those two things. And, like, it's not only a huge schism between, like, the law use and the, you know, and the morality, but there's a huge schism between, like, morality and, like, the law itself, like, the institution of law. Right. They you know, like, there is a deep distrust of you no know, purposely so for the institution of law because of its its foundational ideology, right? Which tends to be racist, tends to be class. Can, can be I, lot can of I a shit. offer
1: a, a potential answer to Adair's question uh, beyond the political class and just in general? My, I don't usually distill things this much, and I'm not usually this, you know, like what may be seen as over the top, but quickly, I'll just finish. Uh, that basically, liberals are ignorant of their. Uh, political beliefs like they don't actually think through where it goes like oh you know every kid should get vaccinated i don't care if we have to you know put the kid in foster care in order to get them the vaccination it's like and uh, there's another part of it that they're uh that they're just polite fascists that are just looking for a reason to act fast act fashion and i mean it's i imagine it like when i go to a concert and i'm hoping someone's in my seat so that I can make a big deal out of it, get them to pay me to sit in my seat, and then I can go get the usher to get them out of my seat, and I can sit there. That's how I see it.
2: Do you actually have that fantasy though, Richard? Because if you have that fantasy, I swear to God, I'm driving to your house and we're squaring <laughs> up. I swear, no, to God,
1: that's not literally. I, serious. I swear to God, we're
2: fighting if that's an actual fantasy. No, you have, like, of course not. You are catching hands.
0: <laughs> I was going to add this though too, right? This is finish up my initial thought. It's like so. What you have to understand, like with those like those relationships with the law and like off it, and people who enforce the law. It's like 2016 broke a lot of people's brains. Like it was the like sort of the catalyzing event that that. Essentially woke up what you could call like the centrist class of person right person who like who is entirely defined by their relationship to the status quo and the institutions that enforce the status quo and so like the idea of like okay yeah it's, it's real cool that Kamala can be like everyone's black friend again like people are sort of really missing that with an Obama but even cooler than that is the idea that Kamala Harris could act as this sort of avatar of law and order. You know, she can act as this kind of agent of the law to punish the evildoer who like who is you know fucking trump right because a lot of people see like trump as still like still t- two years later i guess maybe three years later now as anomalous with the values and institutions of america right where people on the left kind of know as fucking bullshit like people who like occupy like the center right who like for like who trump represented like an entire fucking collapse of the social order are like oh you know, Trump is an anomalous to this thing. What we really need is like one of our many, many amazing institutions to come in and defeat this this law, you know, this lawbreaker, right? Trump as the criminal archetype versus like Kamala Harris and Mueller and the FBI and the CIA and the NSA as like the law enforcement agencies. And I think it's deeply troubling when you see people float the idea of like, oh, well, Kamala Harris is going to come in and, like, and her campaign should be cop versus fucking criminal, and people would really respond to that. So it's like, it's like, no, 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 at no, at no least least not way the way you think they would. It's like, because <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, it's like people who you know who like view Trump as this kind of anomalous thing who operates outside of like American law would like that shit, but like most people whose relationship to the law is not as, let's say, or I, I mean, put it this way, most people who don't live the kind of life who like rather most people who like for most people who the law is not meant to really protect and the law is enforced in negative ways they won't see it that way right they'll see kamala harris as this cop who has a history of jailing black people who has a history of jailing sex workers who has a history of you know of of not of being relatively anti-trans people and they're going to say she's just like every other cop but not in a good way like she's like she's like every other cop in a bad way. Like she's like every other cop where she's meant to, you know, enforce the status quo. And where again, that eight percent of the population who really really like the pre-Trump status quo think that's a good idea. Everyone else is like, that's fucking terrible. Like <laughs> we don't like we don't want that. But I, I think that's really the appeal for a lot of people. It's that hey, you know what? kamala harris is like the fucking perfect blend of cop and nerd she's like i i said before like she's like if hillary clinton and fucking uncle phil from the uh, fresh prince of bel-air did the fusion dance and white people are losing their mind over that because that's like that's almost like like she's whatever she's what they want their like fucking mom to be like uh or at least like their mom's cool black friend
2: To to go along with that, though, then like how how excited do you think like rightly and we call them donut Twitter. But I guess if you were to apply that to real life, like the white American centrist political class, like, how excited do you think they would get if there was a Schultz, uh, Howard Schultz, Kamala Harris ticket? like I mean personally I I think at that point I just have to say fuck 12 years for catastrophic climate change and I just blow my brains out the moment that happened because I feel like that's a ticket that would actually win even if you know because Harris would carry him up here in Washington which by the way like for everybody that actually likes Schultz I just want you to know the dude is fucking reviled reviled throughout the entirety of Washington State like he is the one person who cannot go outside in public without people booing him like fuck this dude if you want a a nightmare scenario
1: Hillary and Kamala is still not off the table yet go ahead brandon
0: (laughs) so first so 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 first of all i want to say this no one likes howard schultz that shit is ridiculous
2: I think middle-aged white men who think that if they just, you know, work just a little bit harder, they'll become millionaires. They fucking fault. Like, they love to do. Like, they would, they would, like, if he said my semen is life water, they would, like, line up in fucking droves to drink it. The guys that that watched
1: it out and were like, ah, you know, looked at the dad on that show or in that movie and were like, yeah, I can see where he's coming from. I can (laughs) see where he's coming from. So like, normally I normally I would
0: question <laughs> normally I would question my own sort of ability to think outside of the silo that is like left Twitter about this but I think the base for Howard Schultz is cartoonishly small. I think I think it's basically ju- I think it's basically just the people who work for Howard Schultz but not even like the people mm-hmm. who get Starbucks because they're not going to vote for his ass course, at right.
2: all. Like Starbucks like, you know
0: yeah he, like, he makes it like, I think he makes it illegal for like he calls the police on people who fucking who like eat out the trash at Starbucks like no one is going to vote for him at that, I but, he
2: calls the police for people using the public park where his house like there's a uh, he, built, he spent a fuck ton of money but, built a driveway through a public park and calls people for using the public public land too close to his gate that's what I would is. Here, here, here is the,
0: here's the nightmare ticket. That's like that's sort of the analog of what you're saying. It would be like fucking Kamala Harris and Oprah. Oh, it's like life. that like <laughs> no. that. It's like it's like that that would be the I can't nightmare. You, even, that you gotta be... edit edit that shit out. <laughs> Don't even give people that the idea. The thing is though, whether you're talking about black billionaires like Oprah or black, you know, black cops like Kamala Harris, the underlying logic to support them is always the same, right? It's the idea that Correcting misrepresentational oppression or symbolic misrepresentation is the most important thing, right? That it's so much more important to correct like symbolic. Inequality, uh, i.e., black faces in high places, then is the correct, uh, structural inequality. Insofar that, you know, sometimes the black faces in high places are actively promoting structural inequality, and people are making that seem as though it's a, you know, a deal with the devil that we have to make in order to correct the first part. Uh, and, you know, and further b- beyond that, I, it, it's funny because I think that as a society, generally speaking, we have learned that trickle down economics does not work. Like guess it just does not work. But when you intersect in race, Or gender into that equation, people become absolutely sure that trickle down like social justice works anyway but like that's the, the that's the nightmare ticket right because kamala harris already has like the backing of fucking like black liberal media twitter and like black liber- the black liberal media because like kamala harris is a boon to their fucking relevance right so you have people like terrell Starr on twitter going like you know if they come for if, if they come for anti-kamala they don't know what the kind of heat <laughs> i'm gonna bring Like the, the people coming out of at kamala if i come after kamala harris they'll understand like the nuances of marginalized identity. It's like, Terrell fucking star, the dude who like tw- accidentally tweets something anti-Semitic at least once every six months. It's like, oh, people coming after Kamala Harris don't understand like the nuances of marginalized identities. It's like, yeah, right, yeah, we don't understand, dude. Like, homie didn't know what fucking Judeo-Bolshevikism was. But of course, everyone else is sort of ignorant of like what's offensive to marginalized groups. That like He's the guy who went to like the, the restaurant, I want to say in the Czech Republic or Ukraine or some shit the one where like the, the authentic Jewish restaurant where instead of like just having prices, you had to like fucking negotiate you had to negotiate or barter for your price and get the lowest price possible at the restaurant. And he was just like, you know, I like once your meal's over, you gotta chew them down for the price. It's like dude, like Terrell, like read a
1: book. <laughs> like, like, like maybe. but not not mine Comp, not mine comp. Go ahead. <laughs> Jesus christ i just did some
2: polling and um so far a hundred percent of people polled and by that i mean both two of my roommates and one of my roommates partners uh they all said no to the kamala harris Oprah Winfrey ticket, and two of those people were white. So, looks like that's also a note. Now, give me a job, CNN. Give me a job.
0: I mean... I think, generally speaking, no one is really in favor of Howard Schultz running, because he's terrible, um, generally speaking. But, like, the idea of, like, a billionaire running is still a quite popular, and I wow. use Oprah as, like, the fucking... Popular it's a popular idea because like we still live in a society where like money and uh, you know, in accumulating wealth is associated with moral and intellectual superiority, right? We still live mm-hmm. in a classist society where like the more money you have, the more moral and intellectual wealth you're ascribed. And simply being a billionaire is a qualification to fucking lead society. But they, like, and that is a bipartisan mm-hmm. thing. That's a hegemonic. That's think like, that's neoliberalism in effect, right? The idea that, okay, well, you know what, you know, being uh um, uh, successful, rather, "quote unquote," successful at private at private business at, at you know basically at running a private company makes you qualified to give your opinion or even lead uh, the public you know the public sector right because essentially the ideal running of the public sector is like a private business because the idea is the public sector should not be run like a pi- private business it shouldn't be focused on like oh, how much debt there is how much deficit there is all this shit is completely. It's clearly foreign within our society right now because of how deeply entrenched neoliberalism is in people's minds. Where like simply having a lot of money is a sign of like general competency, right? Because I mean that's why Elon Musk is allowed to essentially be like an urban planner, despite him having no idea what the fuck he's talking about. And it's like because like money indexes fucking. Um, moral and intellectual superiority. And you would think, I you know, I would imagine that considering that's how Trump won, right? That the only reason Trump was ever thought to be viable was because of that dynamic, that the Democratic Party would be, would have spent the last, say, four or five years de- disaggregating having a lot of money with being generally smart and capable. Because God knows Trump and his fucking dumbass children have been working their hardest to disaggregate those things. But really, the Democratic Party and like their alignment punditry and a few just you know you know rank and file liberals like they actually subscribe to the belief that the only thing that can be a bad billionaire is a good billionaire as opposed to like oh maybe there is no such thing as a good billionaire. Maybe every billionaire that we have is actually a policy failure. Maybe they're like maybe like having billionaires is antithetical to Uh, a just society.
1: Yeah, no, and I I think one of the things is that bothers me is that they can't even make up their minds and it it reflects about what I said earlier about like the superficial or ignorant perspective of the politics is like, uh, you mentioned Oh, you know, it should be the government should be run by a business. That's why this billionaire makes sense. It's like, but wait, isn't the government supposed to be run like a family? Or like, aren't you making this parallel between my family uh, finances and the government? And it's like, I don't fire my kids. Uh, so like, th- there's got to be some differences here. And the one of the things that stuck out with me with going back to Kamala Harris for a moment versus Howard Schultz is, uh, you know, the, the big uh, rally for Kamala Harris was all, hey, look, there's 22,000 people. That's a big deal. I remember when Bernie had big rallies. The only thing that these same exact people cared about was, oh, people at rallies don't vote, you know, and it's, it's this constant gymnastics and intellectual inconsistency that is so popular within the neoliberal hegemony that. Is, I find incredibly frustrating. I think we started to see it in 2016, 2015. We saw how the media covered Bernie and how the media just responded to various uh, policies. But then since that moment, we saw some of the most egregious uh, offenses. It's just become that much clearer. And rather than get better at it or change their strategy or anything, they're just doing it again harder. And th- that's it's both frustrating and then it feels uh, disempowering.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I think we're seeing a basically a a point for point reboot of the Hillary Clinton campaign when it comes to Kamala Harris. I think that ultimately speaking, we're seeing like an abstraction of her record, right? We're So we're watching in real time people retcon and abstract her record as an AG, as a prosecutor, insist that she was a progressive prosecutor, if that was even a thing, when her record doesn't bear that out. And instead of just showing evolution on these issues instead of just like like instead of just saying hey you know what you know what maybe if we if i just sort of go into this you know make my case to the public in a legitimate way right you know i I guess it's it's my fault for expecting to be you know talked to like an adult and not like a child with brain with brain uh fucking uh with sort of it's my fault for being you know for expecting to be talked to by our politicians like an adult with access to the internet and not like a like a, a feral child raised in the woods with a severe concussion because like you know honestly if she just came out and just mapped her evolution on these issues mm-hmm. to us uh you know criminal justice reform her relationship or not relationship with israel because like god knows that they're never gonna do that but like you know criminal justice reform really is the big one right that i that i would not be I would not be so disinclined to mm-hmm. believe her evolution, right? I do think that there, I do think that there is justifiably a trust gap between the American, the American populace and their politicians when it comes to actually following through on shit, right? I don't think that that's people treat that like that's like a fucking a, a, a taboo Some, thing to say. You go, oh hey, people don't trust politicians to follow through on the things that they promised, right? Because even even Kamala Harris has gone back on her Medicare for all policy position that she expressed in her fucking uh, town hall with a, in 24 hours.
1: Yeah, and then pressured one of the popular tweets capturing it to get pulled down in a correction or something. So like that's that's reminiscent of the Hillary campaign continue.
0: No, exactly right. Like it's, but if you go hey, you know what? The people, American people simply do not trust their politicians, right? They don't trust them to follow through on their promises because the Democratic Party specifically and also the Republican Party, you know, but you know, less so now, has a history Of you know talking to the left and 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 legislating to the right, you know like that's that's what third way politics is, right? It's you know it's paying lip service to quote unquote liberal values, you know, basically identifying, you know, essentially mastering the language of symbolic anti oppression, uh, promising to you know rather acknowledging that racism is real, acknowledging that misogyny is real, uh, acknowledging that there is let's say uh you know an unjust uh, rather, there is an unequal enforcement of the law. But once getting into office, never really doing enough to combat that. Never really coming up with a, a bucket of structural solutions, a, a bucket of structural solutions to correct that. And so, you know, when you point out, hey, uh, this is a problem, and it makes people distrust you. The like people, uh, rather, you know, the the people who are essentially privileged enough, or rather entitled enough, I guess is a better phrase for it, to afford to vote entirely based on symbolic grounds like look at you like you're fucking crazy like you, oh but like oh i guess just because they don't ever follow through on shit it, it, gives, you, it gives you a right to not vote for them it's like i guess yeah that, right
1: i think we call that accountability that's what that's supposed to be right like, if they don't
0: ever follow through on what they promise it's just like why would i vote for them because ultimately it's like am i not just better off fucking doing my own thing And like figuring out, figuring it out down the line. Like, okay, well, you know what? Like, if they're not going to follow through on actually combating racism in any real way that they, like, they've just, they've cultivated this political environment where by nature of how terrible the republican party is they get they basically get points for just acknowledging that fucking racism is real mm-hmm. the republican party is just like well you know black people aren't being whipped in by against posts so i guess racism is over um pretty much and they get break it get, they get points for that it's just like so why you know like what am i really voting for them for besides the whole like anti-republican vote and like eventually even that because you know that at that that fear kind of wanes too but if you if you say hey, this trust gap exists and the way to combat this trust gap is to at least acknowledge that people are right for not trusting you people are right for like not for saying hey you know what democratic party doesn't always follow through on their thoughts so maybe we don't you know maybe you know like but, but like that like rather like that's the past and in the future we're going to do our best to actually follow through we're not going to say the republican part we're not going to basically blame republican party's obstinance for us not getting anything done because to me too like that's the second part of this excuse right it's like okay well we really wanted to get these things done but you know it's not that because we were beholden to wall street or we were were beholden to our our various corporate corporate over over, corporate overlords it's because republican party is just so fucking obstinate that they don't let us get anything like to me that's not even a good excuse it's like well like then like then, like you know blaming the other party for your inefficacy. It's like we're hiring you to get things done. It's like if your argument that you can't get things done because of the other party, then you need to come up with a way to to, to get things done despite them. Right? Nobody, like hook or crook, you got to get things done, right? You know if it means getting rid of the filibuster, you get rid of the filibuster. If it means packing the courts, you pack the courts. If it, I don't give a fuck if it, if it means gerrymandering. Like you do you fucking gerrymander. you do you you use every trick in the book to get things done
1: yeah i mean i might have an opposition to that on other principles at least i couldn't argue that they aren't getting shit done which is what like going back to the fucking that whatever opening speech that got a bunch of attention you know it's like if you're so smart liberals why do you lose so fucking always like and that's that's what i think a lot of people are really frustrated with and then even as you mentioned more frustrated at the fact that then 5-0.
3: 5-0. Oh, shit. Yo, 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 yo. Hey, yo, I jumped from the eighth floor. Step. Hit the ground. The pound fell. Cops is coming. Running through the pissy stairwells. I ain't hear nothing. Bugging. Only thing I remember was a bullshit summer. So I stopped at the second floor. Ran.
4: too close and I got this new toast, imagine if I would've let off a shot or two, you know